this is one of our coffee break episodes um, where we're going to be talking about the Netflix series The Politician. And if you don't want spoilers, maybe stop right here, go watch that, and come back. I am Mariana Yees Heckler. And I am Amy Westervelt. And we're talking about The Politician today because their entire second season was climate themed. And we thought they tackled the issue in some smart ways. We have some criticisms too, of course, but mostly we give it a thumbs up. We do. (laughs) It's worth watching. It's totally worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready to do this? Yep. It's time to talk about climate. This holiday season, get a gift for yourself too, and keep it simple. I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience. I know, I know, laundry doesn't sound like a gift, but honestly, EarthBreeze just makes it so much easier. Think about how you actually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour, lift that big plastic jug, hope the goo doesn't get everywhere. It's annoying. But EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. It's almost, it's like a dryer sheet kind of, but it's the detergent and you throw it in and then that's it. There's no measuring, no nothing. It works in hot and cold. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic and free of bleach and dyes. And it fights everyday stains and odors. You get a powerful clean, but you don't have to deal with all that packaging. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%, Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash drilled. I think first things first. Yeah, the headdress. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get this out of the way. So, in the episode, there is this very weird thing that they do um, that I would go on the record and say is not okay. Where they are trying to make a statement, I think, on indigenous appropriation. Where the lead character Peyton, who is running for state senator in New York City, mm-hmm. he decides to. For some reason, tank his own campaign by posing in an indigenous um, headdress. So he. But before that, they like find someone finds a picture of him in like a. As a baby, though, like as a three year old, right? Right. Like, so he's dressed up as Geronimo for Halloween when he's like three years old. And it becomes this whole scandal and he apologizes and et cetera, et cetera. But then later on, he deliberately poses in an indigenous uh, headdress again as Geronimo. Uh, Thankfully, he doesn't do the, you know, the race changing makeup, shall we say. Um, But he does wear the headdress in a in a speedo for some reason. And it's part of some elaborate strategy to like trick the other campaign into doing something else. And yeah, I don't think it landed. No. 
I don't either. And then they had like the one woman of color on his team sort of give him a lecture about cultural appropriation. And I also I was just like, ugh, this just feels like someone in the writer's room was like, we should talk about race in some way. And like, yeah, <laughs> it just did not. That's what happens when you have like mostly white people in your writing room. Yeah, that's what, that's what I, I was like. I wonder how many writers on this show are people of color. Yeah. It seems like none. Yeah. yeah. And it also seems like um, this is what happens when you can't thread different, you know, sections, so to speak, of justice together. Right. Because like they did well with climate this season. But with that, it just seemed like, you know, that it's not OK to wear a headdress. You know, that it's not OK to like do cultural appropriation, but you don't know how to talk about it smartly at all. Yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, that's interesting because I feel like that is often the case with climate stuff where it feels sort of ham-fisted. Yeah. It feels sort of like thrown in there and it's like very, you know, luxury and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't do that yeah. with the climate stuff, but they definitely did it with racial justice. Yeah. So that was that was a swing and a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Major. <laughs> they also didn't do a good job of, of threading climate to other forms of social justice, even throughout the storyline. You could tell it wasn't on purpose right. that they left them that way. Right. Like there's a black right. character who's really into getting new voters registered. Um, and they sort of treat that as a side project. The bigger project is, right. is the climate. And so, yeah, a little bit more, um, Hopefully you've seen the show, but the whole point is that Peyton, this aspiring politician, he's like 22 years old, he runs for Senate on a climate platform, a state Senate in New York City. And so everything in his his whole campaign is about is about climate. So, yeah, it's weird that they see voter registration, especially when it's in, um, quote, minority neighborhoods as kind of like a side issue for them. Especially in New York, which is going to have tons of climate impacts, mostly um, in a lot of low-income neighborhoods. Yeah, but what that, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah. what that said to me is that they don't think that people of color are smart enough to get climate. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, another thing yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about with this that really comes through is the push and pull between individual and collective action. That I thought was a really interesting part of this and, and one that, that I felt like they did pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, showing there's a character who... Um, Infinity. Infinity, who is a friend of Peyton's who becomes sort of a, uh, you know, climate activist because, uh, and she gets into it through the plastic issue mm-hmm. and she goes zero waste herself. Mm-hmm. And she, at a certain point she insists that Peyton goes zero waste too, to prove his real commitment to, you know, the climate yeah. and all of this stuff. And, um, you know, that's all happening sort of like alongside them trying to figure out what policies actually go along with right. climate change. And alongside Peyton's mom, played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who's like running for governor of California and then and then eventually president, also on a strong climate platform. Yeah. So you have all these sort of policy conversations underway and then you have um, – yeah, yeah, this, like, just kind of constant conversation, f- like, flowing in and out around, you know, 
individual actions and also kind of individual purity. Yeah. Like we were talking before about um, there's a scene where one of the volunteers for Peyton's campaign is building like a uh, camping shower for him for kind of a campaign stunt thing where he's going to take a cold shower to show his commitment to the climate. And and he explains in very sort of straightforward terms how, yes, he cares, but also this is a political decision for him. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. If doing stuff like this didn't pull well, would you still be doing it? Are you asking me if I genuinely care about the environment and the future of the planet that you and I are both going to inherit? Of course I do. It's the centerpiece of my campaign. Yeah, but it didn't start that way. You started out talking about the subway and how Didi was out of touch with the working class people of New York, and then suddenly it was all about the environment. Well, campaigns evolve. Candidates evolve. Look, I can honestly say that I've always wanted to win the race, but I wasn't inspired until I started talking about the environment. When you started winning. All right, you want to have the adult conversation about this? It's both. Okay? I believe that we're in a climate emergency and that our political leaders have failed the younger generation by ignoring it. So if, when I win, I will commit to focusing on that issue because there's really no problem that's more all-encompassing. And the only way I'm going to win this race is to get young people to vote. And the only thing that truly inspires young people to get off their buns and actually vote is climate change. If that issue was economic inequality or like guns or the subway, I would still be spending my life fighting to save the planet. But no, I probably would not be taking a cold shower in Madison Square. Yeah, I think um, I want to go back to Infinity for a second. So Infinity's character really gets into climate first through like literally removing the plastic from dolphins guts. And then she goes to, (laughs) yeah, and so does Peyton's mom. She gets involved with it through Mm -hmm. that same, same sort of like organization that they go out, get the dolphins, take the plastic out. So like, it really doesn't get more like individual action than that. And then she goes to Beijing and realizes that she can't breathe the air because there's so much pollution. And then she starts looking at her own output and it's like, I am the problem. And so she goes through this process of going like really hardcore zero waste. And that's like her, her measure. And what's interesting is that the campaign needs her and her base that she's sort of built up through her zero waste platform or as her zero, as a zero waste, like influence her, they need her involved in order to get the votes that they, they need to get you know, to get into office to do the things that they want to do. Right. And so it, it really was this interesting balance between like what actually is an individual action because like, yeah, she cleaned up her own lifestyle, but she also showed other people how to do it and like made right. it bigger than herself in this way by joining up with this campaign. And also another like right. major spoiler, if you haven't seen it all, um, at, toward the end, she steals a ballot box. Um, because she's afraid that, um, that Peyton's going to lose and the other, uh, candidate who does have a climate plan, but is very centrist. Um, the other candidate is like an older, um, Democrat type who's, you know, kind of like in the mold of like a Chuck Schumer, I guess you could say, where like, it's very moderate. Um, and she sort of frames everything Peyton wants to do is like, pie in the sky, whatever. You can never do that. But anyway, radical. yeah. yeah. When infinity Mm -hmm. gets the, um, ballot box, she says, this is self-defense. Yes. And I thought that was so interesting. 
It was so interesting. She was just like, by any means necessary, we got to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that there's this whole arc, too, where her own kind of individual action thing is what gets her mm-hmm. out of climate grief. Yeah. Yeah. And and then propels her into doing like bigger and broader mm-hmm. collective action things. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. The idea that individual action can kind of help people to move past this sense of overwhelm and grief yeah. and feel like empowered. And then, but it's just like the, like, you know, we've talked about this before that it's not an either or thing. It's just that like, you know, ideally the individual stuff leads to collective action, systemic change, all of that stuff. Yeah. It doesn't just stop there. Yeah. What's also very interesting to me is that Infinity and Peyton's mother, um, they both get involved with that group that's, you know, taking the plastic out of the dolphin guts. One of them goes right. hardcore zero waste. The other goes, I'm running for president. You know, so like they both take that sort of like heartbreak moment because they both go through like very severe bouts of climate grief that I thought were very well illustrated in the show. Um, Mm -hmm. I know like Gwyneth Paltrow is really problematic, but if you got to use a Gwyneth Paltrow, this was a great use for a Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. But yeah, so one goes like, I'm going to go change these systems. And the other says, I'm going to go deep and change myself. And they both make big impacts. So I didn't feel like they fell into the trope of like these two are pitted against one another. And they did do a good job of showing people who did really care about the climate, but weren't perfectly green themselves. And yeah. Right, right. Which gets us into this climate as political opportunism thing too, which I thought was so interesting. There's an entire kind of, you know, plot point around the idea that, you know, is is Peyton running on climate because he cares or is it because it's politically um, smart? Yeah. And like ultimately the the like the the kind of conclusion is like, does it really matter? Yeah. You know, it's both. <laughs> it's both things. And that's actually a good thing, because the other thing they did a good job of illustrating is that climate is a good political motivator. Um, so like he's his campaign is like really alive um like he's got all of these youth volunteers showing up and phone banking and like canvassing for him um he's got having all of these rallies that people come to and like he really talks about like climate as the centerpiece of his campaign that was actually one thing that i did think they missed an opportunity to do was to have like an environmental justice storyline you know that like like or something that would show that not only is this appealing to young people but it's like appealing across multiple groups of people because it's a justice issue you know and and they had so many opportunities to do that because there is yeah. a prominent black female character yeah. who like clearly would have a relationship to this and she goes zero waste mm-hmm. with Peyton Yes. Um, so there actually is a lot that they could have could have used to talk about that. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure that the writers um, were connecting those dots because it doesn't seem like, you know, they left that blank so that they could come back to it in a future season. Um, I actually it looked like they just didn't know that that it connected. Right. Um, yeah. I'm looking yeah. up there. Um, I'm looking up there. The like staff credits on the show and and in fact all white writers yeah (laughs) there we go that explains that yeah 
But let's talk about the general the generational gap thing too, because yeah. that was very interesting in this yeah. um in this yeah. show that that you had, you know, Peyton as this sort of I mean, this was actually really central to his um to his campaign and to the tension between his campaign and his opponent's campaign, which his opponent is is played by Judith Light. She's, you know, a career politician. She's been in Albany for 20, 30 years. And she's, you know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, um, at a certain point they talk about like, well, okay, yeah, you guys want all these radical changes, but you also have to acknowledge that, you know, the people who came before you are mm-hmm. the reason that like, you know, we have uh, whatever garbage pickup working the way it does, and like like all these right. sort of you know um, useful and necessary fixes that this woman delivered in her time as state senator. Yeah. And um, there's this, and there's like a whole uh, mother daughter thing that plays out with one of the volunteers for Peyton's campaign and her mom, where they're like, yeah. you know, kind of arguing about. Uh, what's needed now and who's really going to deliver it. And, and this whole thing of like, well, we have to be radical because your generation failed. Dee Standish has been lying her entire career, mom. Every politician has. They've known about global warming since the 1960s and nobody's done anything about it. What is Dee Standish suddenly a lobbyist for Exxon? What are you talking about? That woman has made our lives demonstrably better. When did we move here? When was it? Um, 2003. Remember when garbage trucks used to park outside our building overnight? She banned that. She, remember summer camp? She is the reason why they were required to have EpiPens. She is why I can't get fired for being gay. She's why there is a charter school two blocks away that you got to go to. You met her. She sends us a Christmas card every year and suddenly she is Hannity because she's not hysterical about climate change? Maybe that is a sign that global warming is not the one issue we all need to get up in arms about. Okay, Boomer. Right, right. So, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about this Peyton um, tension with Dee Dee Standish. So Dee Dee is the woman yeah. he's running against. Right. Um, and there's this really beautiful scene toward the end where, like, they've had a hard-fought uh, campaign where it, like, kind of, it's coming down to a coin toss. Yeah, literally. Um, like, it's yeah. that close. Like, they literally <laughs> tied. Um, and thus the stolen ballot box. Like, Infinity mm-hmm. was not playing around. But anyway, yeah. um, they have this really beautiful scene in a bar where, like, it's the night before they're going to toss the coin. This is the bar that Peyton comes to sing at. Mm-hmm. Um, Dee Dee just so happens to walk in. They have a drink together. They laugh together. And... You know, there's they've developed a mutual admiration <laughs> as competitive right. as it's been. Um, and they they have like a real moment where Peyton talks about what he would do when he was in office. And Dee Dee is actually impressed by how savvy he sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, yeah, that goal is ridiculous. But then he's like, yeah, I know the goal isn't going to happen, but it'll get me the political clout to do X, Y, and Z. And she's like, actually really impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes up and sings and, you know, he talks about how much he admires their generation and all the work that they've done and how they've, you know, protected civil liberties in a way that his generation can now just take them for granted. Um, and how he really does admire them. And then, 
Yeah, Amy, well, how about you talk about what happens the next day? Well, the next day, she basically hands him the election instead of yeah. um, instead of sort of doing this tiebreaker thing, which they had decided that they were going to settle it by a round of Rochambeau. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. Uh, they were going to play paper, rock, scissors. Yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. 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 She decides she stands up and basically just concedes to him and she makes this really lovely speech about how, you know, it's time for his generation to take the reins and how she's excited to see what he does and like all of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, which, you know, is like definitely, um, you know, sort of an idealistic, uh, portrayal of how something like this might go down but it was kind of nice to see it was like yeah actually like there doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be this um animus animus and defensiveness and whatever like on both sides it seems like they they did this nice thing where it started out you know they were really um talking shit about each other and like really going after each other and whatever and they they really hated each other and they ended up in this place of sort of like mutual admiration and yeah Um, and then with her sort of being like, yeah, you know what? Like, I think we should like, we should give these kids and their ideas a chance. And it was nice. It it was like, it, yeah, it was quite, um, uplifting. I would say this season to watch. Yeah. It was, it was actually really beautiful because it didn't turn into your generation failed. It like, it didn't fall into these like really hard binaries there. conclusion although there are like you know holes here and there and some issues overall I thought they did a great job and actually like did just a really good job of incorporating climate into a show that's not about climate which I think it needs Mm -hmm. to happen so much more yeah right it makes it makes the topic more approachable it makes it more digestible because now you can talk about it through the lens of a show it can be like a different sort of a conversation starter like in mm. order we have to get away from this idea that like to talk about climate to engage with climate you got to sit down with like a really hardcore report or study or something yes. like that like you need to be, to be able to so sit down serious. with a netflix series right it doesn't have to be right. a documentary it doesn't have to be like the right. scariest shit in the world in terms of a disaster movie it can be right. a fun little series Um, But, like, major trigger warning about the indigenous appropriation. That can definitely be hard to watch. And I don't want to take away from that. Because, like, I guarantee if they were in blackface, I would want to break my fucking TV. Um, And I didn't like seeing the indigenous appropriation either. Yeah. um, At all. It was that hard, hard eye roll. Totally. And just, like, badly handled across the board. I think, yeah, that was... Yeah. Yeah. Do better, politician. Uh, You're clearly coming back for season three. Deal with Mm -hmm. that, please. All right. Well, yeah, we hope to see more examples of of climate making its way onto tv and film if we if we see other examples that are good we'll share them here and in the newsletter too or email us with your examples of climate narratives that you're seeing on tv we'd love to like hear about more shows more podcasts where it's showing up and it does not at all have to be the main theme yeah because (laughs) 
<laughs> what would be the point? All right, that's it for this time. Again, send us anything that you've seen that's interesting on the climate narrative front in TV or film or even other podcasts. We're always looking for more examples of how it makes its way into stories. Yeah. You can do that at hot takes at criticalfrequency.org. That's hot takes plural. Yeah. And we're doing our episodes a little bit differently this time. So we will be using these coffee break sections to just get a little bit more experimental and talk about things that aren't necessarily in the media proper, um, but that maybe should be, or, you know, we can talk about fiction here, whatever. So send us ideas Mm -hmm. for stuff you'd like us to talk about and make sure that you're subscribed for our newsletter, which goes out every Sunday. Um, The information to sign up for that is in our show notes. You can sign up for the premium version, which we assure you is very premium for just $7 a month. (laughs) And there's also a free version that we're also very proud of that goes out every Sunday. That's right. Right. And we also have a ton of merchandise options. Uh We have a store now, which we'll also link to in the show notes. So lots of t-shirts and mugs and hats and that kind of stuff too that you guys can check out. Mm -hmm. Our next episode guest is going to be Kate Aronoff from the New Republic. So if you have questions for her, please send them to us. You can send them to hottakes at criticalfrequency.org again. Um, And we just might ask her on the show. You can also tweet at us. We are at RealHotTakes. Yes, and I am at Mary Hegler, and Amy is at Amy Westervelt. Um, That's right. Our extremely original Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You know, turns out we have really original names, and those handles were available. Leave us a rating or a review in iTunes. Yes, really does help us find new listeners. You know, there's enough negativity in the world. Keep it positive. That's right. Send your negative reviews to the trash. Just delete it. Just delete it, honey. Uh, <laughs> just stop listening. Yeah. Just tune out. Right. It's fine. Right. We won't totally know. okay. All That's right. Fine. We'll talk to y'all again soon. Bye. Bye. Cakes, welcome to Hot Take. <laughs> I can't do shit. That was unbelievable. That was unbelievable. <laughs> oh god. Hey, hot cakes. Welcome to Hot Take. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. It's just, it's just so so silly. <laughs> Fuck, I should have practiced. I'm literally crying. Don't make me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it fast. Just do it fast and get it over with. Hey, hotcakes, welcome back. (laughs)